Messi. McAllister. Messi! Welcome to the Australian World Cup podcast, Edge of the Crowd's one-stop shop for everything FIFA World Cup 2022. I am Stuart Kavanagh, your host, my co-host, almost called myself the co-host then, but my co-host is someone much better than me. He is the man with the magnificent hair. It is Mr. Callum Logie from the Top Edge Cricket Podcast. Callum, how you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. And I suppose you are a co-host, you know, since we're, we're co-hosting this together. It, it's okay. You can present yourself as a co-host. Yes, that's um, that's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you should do this intro going forwards, mate, because I have <laughs> stumbled on it every single time. But we're into the knockout phase, mate, on this ride through 64 matches between football's elite as we take this journey to crown the best footballing team on the planet. How are things going, mate? Plenty of shocks. Plenty of surprises. I'm eating some humble pie because of my comments about Murata. You're eating some humble pie, but I'm sure we'll get into that several times <laughs> over this podcast. <laughs> How about we start with the Socceroos? Yeah, yeah, we can definitely start with the Socceroos. I think that's kind of, that's what everyone's here for, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. This is the Socceroos chat, the, uh, the fans' favourite part of the chat. This is where we talk about our incredible victory against Denmark. Callum, I spoke to you off mic just five minutes ago and we just exchanged notes about our experience watching the game. They were very similar. We uh, both were uh, on the verge of falling asleep in the first half. And then that man, Mr. Riley McGree, just uh, played a sneaky little pass through to Matt Leckie and uh, all of a sudden we were wide awake. We certainly were. We certainly were. I um, I got a message in the morning from David Laverick saying uh, congratulations. And I think there was an, an element of uh, of pride on the part of McGree because um, David's all about Middlesbrough. It doesn't matter if it's men's or women's or anything. Um, So yeah, he was very chuffed about that result. And um, he said, uh, <laughs> see us in the final. And could you imagine the Australia-England final? How... <laughs> How incredible that would be! I, I don't think I don't think the the brackets set out to be that way, but it'd be awesome if it was. Anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> the, the the first half was I don't want to say disappointing, but it was it, it was just you know both teams were very tense because both teams knew that they needed a result. Australia at the time were thinking that they needed needed a draw, and Denmark are like we need a win to get through. Um, so you know that it was played tensely, and it didn't really pan out to have all that much goal mouth action, which, you know, happens from time to time and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, I think they, they showed it somewhere in the stadium and everyone's urgency kind of picked up when Tunisia took the lead against France and they were all thinking, okay, this is actually a serious possibility that they're going to go through, even if there's a draw here. Mm-hmm. So yep. we went, went in at halftime. Um, Graham Arnold gave one of his iconic halftime team talks, which I, I know we were all there for. Um, and you know, we we really we looked more positive in the in the second half, and then that moment of of brilliance that you mentioned happened. It's interesting that uh, 
you got a message from David Laverick. Um, we also got a shout out from friend of the podcast, Mr. Dan Tracy, telling us welcome to the round of 16. So that was very nice too. A lot of our uh, interviewees are uh, jumping on board. And for anyone who's wondering, we've got plenty more interviews to come. Uh, maybe even some guests on uh, wrap-up podcasts as well. So uh, that's that's very exciting. But um, to the Australia game, man, oh my goodness. When Tunisia, Tunisia took the lead, I was thinking it was about quarter past two. I'm on central time. You're on Eastern time. So it would have been about quarter to three for you. And yep. I was thinking, what am I doing? Why did I get up for this? I knew this was going to happen. And then the second half happened. And honestly, once we scored, I mean, we needed, we needed the big man, Harry Suta to, to, to stop a couple of Denmark attacks, but honestly didn't really feel like we were in any danger of conceding. I think you're right. I think the, um, I think Denmark missed a trick in not bringing on Dolberg because when he when he played in um, the France game, he actually looked really dangerous. And, um, you know, he's kind of... I guess the idea is he doesn't fit the way Denmark like to play. They like to play slow. They like to play low tempo and just kind of pass it between each other and try and break something down. But whenever they got, you know, kind of close to the box or anything like that, it would just be Sotar with a tackle or Bear Hitch would just... If they had a had a heavy touch, Bear just run, get the ball, and run off. And that was <laughs> that was really really good. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, it was it was a, it was another great defensive effort. And I think you know that's kind of that's been the key for Australia since France um, has mm-hmm. been their, their defensive prowess, um, led by Harry Stoto, as you mentioned. And yeah, he had another fantastic performance, a few great blocks. Maybe not as flashy as his performance was against Tunisia, but was still very good. Still made some important tackles. Still didn't die wondering, as we always see him do. Um, uh, Harry Suta, probably not going to be playing for Stoke City for much longer. Um, he's definitely put himself in the shop window. It'd be remiss of us not to mention the absolute scenes at Federation Square at 3 o'clock in the morning in Melbourne. If you haven't seen it, if you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, do me a favor, hit pause, go to YouTube, look it up. It's phenomenal. Then come back and listen to us. It is, uh, it's just incredible. And uh, the way that uh, the World Cup has kind of just sucked everybody in, everyone's talking about the Socceroos and uh, for a football tragics like ourselves, Callum, it's, it's just beautiful. I guess now's probably as good a time as any as we can mention that it's unfortunate where it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just because of, you know, kind of, you know, we talk about a few human rights issues and maybe some issues with hosting and how the stadiums are built or anything like that. Um, some issues, especially for us with time difference, you know, having to get up at two or Absolutely. get up at, at one thirty for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really <laughs> difficult. But um, that thankfully hasn't affected the product on the pitch. It's been pretty good quality football. Um, it's been really exciting. Um you know, for 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 all the uh, kind of you know uneasiness around the tournament, uh, mm-hmm. the atmosphere has been really good. Yep. Um, and from what I've heard, the the fans who went over for the for the various teams have been treated pretty well. Um, so you know, that's good. That's welcome. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think with with the World Cup being such such a big spectacle and us getting through to the knockout stages, it's it's amazing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really, really huge for Australian football. And I think it's kind of, um, you know, a few people have highlighted us on social media. It's kind of an endorsement on how much stronger the A-League has become. The A-League uh, strength. I think this is the first squad with this many players from the A-League. 
um, which is a fantastic advertisement for the local league here in Australia. Um, it's had its issues. It really struggled through COVID, um, various broadcast rights issues, seem to be kind of just leveling out now there was some governance issues as well so it is it is fantastic it is really timely as well if and speaking of timely just getting back to your point about the time difference it has been rough for us over here and both Callum and I are both fully aware that that is pretty low on the list of uh, the issues with this world cup but I think you made some uh, you made some fantastic points about just the quality of football on the field. Um, the fans seem really engaged. I've seen some probably not so nice things on social media, but of course with social media, you've always got to take it with a grain of salt. You don't know what's true. And Callum's finding this out in real time, but uh, for our quarterfinal wrap episode, we actually will have a guest who is in Qatar for the group stages. So um, we'll definitely grill her about that. And um, I'm very excited. But anyway, enough teasing about future episodes. Let's talk about the very near future, Callum. And as we record tonight, um, it probably won't come out until after the fact, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Australia have a round of 16 clash against Argentina that are sitting here in front of my computer. I can barely contain myself even saying those words. We're in the round of 16. We're against Argentina. It's 90 minutes of football. Anything can happen. And I am pumped. How about you, mate? It's potentially 120 minutes of football because we're going to push them to extra time, aren't we? Um, yeah, that's what's so... going to happen. Yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, it is crazy. You know, um, Argentina were your pick to win the whole thing. They had the shaky start, but they've kind of since come good. Um, and, yeah, they look they look dangerous as ever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I, I've seen a lot of a lot of um, kind of things pumping up the Australian team, which, which I like. You know, I think it's quite fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, what a privilege that Leo Messi gets to play his final international game against the Socceroos. <laughs> if you get to the Australian World Cup podcast Twitter, Australian WC pod um, over there on Twitter, I actually posted a link to the last time we beat Argentina in 1988 in something called the Jubilee Cup. We beat them 4-1. And uh, I don't think it's too much to ask. Just same again, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well graham arnold was involved in that game he was he, he actually in that game he got an important assist so um maybe he can once again assist us to the quarterfinals haha <laughs> 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 anyways um yeah i mean you know, look um as you mentioned anything's possible over 90 minutes of football um we go in as heavy underdogs but we also went in as heavy underdogs against denmark and we won that mm-hmm. so yep, you know absolutely it just takes one moment of brilliance from one or two players you know like like we've alluded to, but we'll say more explicitly here. Riley Nagree plays a through ball to Matthew Lecky. Lecky cuts inside. The Denmark defender also cuts inside. Lecky cuts outside. The Denmark def- mm. defender also cuts outside. He's like, I'm running out of time. I'm just going to shoot it. Goes through the defender's legs, past the best goalkeeper in the world, into the bottom <laughs> corner. <laughs> that could happen again. I guess we can take some inspiration from our Asian counterpart, Saudi Arabia, who did manage to get the chocolates off Argentina at the uh, in the very first game of the competition. So maybe if we can copy their blueprint a little bit, um, that'd be very nice to say the least. Now, listen, Callum, both of us have proven to be shocking at predicting things here. But um, we're going to have to just put our, put our reputations on the line. We're going to do this for every knockout game. But uh, 
how do you see this one playing out, mate? I'll do you the uh, the privilege of uh, giving your prediction first. Yeah, sure. I can be the first person wrong. I like it. <laughs> um, I am growing more and more infamous for either jinxing cricket players when I compliment them on playing well or um, jinxing football teams when I say, oh, I think they could do well in this tournament. Not happen well. Um, so in light of that, I'm going to predict that Argentina beat the Socceroos. Uh, that's my prediction. Um, get that out there in the ether mate (laughs) so i don't know how that how that energy will work um but i guess i win either way (laughs) Um, i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a good game i think the soccer is definitely gonna give them um, a run for their money um Mm -hmm. i think the Socceroos, especially the defense possess the physicality that it takes to unsettle the argentina team um, mm-hmm. which I think was the big difference maker in the Saudi Arabia um, fixture. Yep. Um, so, you know, if if Sotar is imperious, as as he's often been, um, that could be really good, just in terms of frustrating the kind of smaller forwards of the uh, of the Argentine, the Argentine side. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's Messi's last World Cup, isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if in the knockout stages, all the lights are on, Leo Messi shows up and, scores a brace and we, we maybe go down to one. I, I I concur with your prediction. Uh Sutar being imperious, our defense can play a really, really important role here, obviously. But I just fear us going into our shells like we did against France. I've just whatever happens, I just don't want to see a performance like that where the first 10 minutes we're thinking, wait a minute, we're up and about here. And then it's an hour and a half of us just battening down the hatches because that's been proven to not work against these world-class teams. I actually think we're good for a goal. I think that we definitely will score. I concur with you. Uh, I don't think we win. Um, I think Argentina is just a little bit too strong. And uh, this is where our journey ends. But uh, even if the journey ends here, Jesus has been a magnificent one. So here's where we take a look back at what has happened on match day three. We pick a standout team of the round, player of the round, and match of the round. Callum, I'm going to let you go first. Let's do player, and we'll go back and forth. Team, we'll go back and forth. The match, we'll go back and forth. We'll try and burn through this so we can spend a lot of time giving our terrible predictions on what's going to happen in the round of 16. <laughs> it's probably my personal bias, but I think player of the round's Matthew Leckie. I think he he was fantastic in that game, not only for the way he took the goal, but just his work rate, his tracking back and helping on defense. And, um, you know... You don't you don't think about wingers and you see them go back and help on defense, but both um, starting wingers for Australia did that really well. Leckie and Goodwin. Um, Goodwin came mm-hmm. off early and Bacchus was brought in, and I thought that was actually a really positive move. Um, Bacchus mm-hmm. played really really well, so I want to give him a shout out. But um, yeah, I think Matthew Leckie was um, you know, he's he's he was the guy to, who st- who stood out. He took that goal, which is probably it's probably not the goal of the tournament, but it's up there because it was really impressive. It's our goal of the tournament. It is so sure. far, for so sure. far. <laughs> and just his his energy and his presence, and um, being able to link the play between the midfield and that sort of thing. I felt Irvine looked a lot more comfortable because he could just receive from Lucky quite a bit. You know, McGree again playing in that creative role um, ended up doing quite well. I know you said Harustic should have um played in that, but you know, um, it's just another still prediction we got wrong, mate. That's all. <laughs> uh, Harustic did come on, and he he looked decent when he came on. Um, I think he's still working towards his fitness. Um, but I could see him playing more of an influential role in the Argentina game, especially if you know it's still 
like scoreless or tied during the second half, you know, bring Karastic mm-hmm. on and see if that kind of different look um, can can menace the Argentina team. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, my, my player is um, Matthew Lecky because um, he scored a goal of the tournament and um, he was just really, <laughs> really good all around. Fantastic. That was going to be my player of the round. So this whole time I've just been thinking, who, who else can I pick? <laughs> and uh, I watched Cameroon versus Brazil this morning. Uh, Vincent Bubacar. He's box office, mate. Um, say what you will. He's just, he's not afraid to make a bold statement. Um, and he's put his money where his mouth is in this World Cup. When he's come on, he has made a difference almost every time. Um, he scored a goal against Brazil. He did. Um, and then probably got a red card for he his did. second yellow card because he took his shirt off to celebrate. But it was right at the end of the game mm. and it was really of no consequence. Cameroon's first win in the World Cup for... I can't even remember the exact stat, but it's at least three World Cups since they've won a game. Um, so it was just fantastic. And I feel like um, he deserves a shout out because, uh, you know, not only to score, but to score against Brazil, who are many people's favorites for the tournament. Um, Dill Brazil, their first loss at the World Cup, getting a shot on target against Brazil, which is a bizarre thing to say. But um, this match, the third match of Brazil's World Cup, was the first time that they suffered any shots on target um, and they went down. So, yeah, Vincent Abubakar for me. He is my player of the round. Who you got for team of the round, pal? Um, I've got Switzerland. You mentioned three World Cups without Cameroon getting a win. Um, mm-hmm. Switzerland, the three to the knockout stage, is three World Cups in a row, which is kind wow. of crazy when you think about it, you know? It is incredible. When you think yeah. about, you know, strong European powers in terms of World Cup and that sort of thing, you, you'd think of... Well, let's think of the ones that are through. So, you know, Spain, Portugal, mm-hmm. um, teams like that. You think of teams who who have, you know, somewhat consistently performed at the international stage. And you probably don't go, oh, yes, yeah, Switzerland. They'll get through to the knockout <laughs> stage. Switz- yeah, Switzerland are good. <laughs> Switzerland are good. Yeah, they, they really they, are. They did really well to um, get the win against Serbia in what was a very exciting um, matchup. Um, they dealt with the firepower of Vlahovic and Mitrovic, um, who mm-hmm. both scored, but it still ultimately wasn't enough. Um, Briel and Bolo was on the score, score sheet again. Um, there was a gorgeous flick on um, to get their final goal, which gave them, you know, the the 3-2 lead, which they held on to to the end. And, um, you know, if they can tidy up some of their midfield mistakes, um, which has kind of been a bit bit of a challenge for them through the, through the group stages, um, then they they could be, you know, I think they can beat anyone on their day because they've got some real impressive talent across that midfield and, you know, Mbolo up front as well. Absolutely. We talked about Sotar putting himself in the shop window this World Cup. Amongst some other Socceroos, um, another friend of the podcast, David Laverick, won't like me saying this, but maybe Rolly McGree's put himself in the shop window as well. Brill Mbolo, um, he came onto the scene uh, a few years ago and uh, ended up signing for Schalke, and it hasn't really worked out for him. At the time, he was linked with Manchester United, like every player is. He's since moved on to Monaco, and he has really kind of come of age during this World Cup and has been fantastic to watch. Football manager player, uh, I was all over him. I think it was FM16. Uh, I had to have him, so um, it's fantastic to see him uh, doing well in this World Cup, and I think Switzerland's a great shout, mate. My team of the round is Japan. Now, Japan came into this World Cup, and let's face it, Japan are the heavyweights in the Asian Confederation. They are the best team. I think the fact that they come from the Asian Confederation means teams underestimate them often. 
Um, Japan not only knocked off Spain, they knocked off Germany as well. And uh, they played a part in a scenario where for a brief time there, Japan and Costa Rica were going through in that group and Spain and Germany were going home. Now, as we both know, Germany, Kai Havertz, you mentioned to me off mic, probably came on and uh, proved why he should have been playing for the entire tournament and scored a couple of goals. He's the man for the big moment. Uh, we've, we've talked on this before. Um, but anyway, back to Japan. They, they've just been phenomenal. They look imperious, uh, if I can steal that word from you, Calm. Yeah. And um, I, I actually, I fancy their chances of, of really going deep. I think that they will probably beat Croatia. Um, spoiler alert for the prediction section coming up. But I think that they will probably beat Croatia. And uh, I... I haven't got the bracket up yet, but we'll we'll get into it after. Um, I I think that it would not surprise me if they made a semi-final appearance. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. Um, I think one of the big difference makers about Japan versus maybe some of the other teams in the World Cup is um they all really get around each other and they're really uh-huh. supportive of each other's success and that sort of thing. They're really a pure team, and um you know there's no no egos on that team or anything like that they just want to get as far as they can for their nation um the fans have been great for them through through the group stages and um yeah i think it would be it'd be great for world football if japan make a deep run fantastic to watch and uh, just a little shout out to the asian confederation this is the first time we've ever had three teams into the round of 16 of course um korea republic making it through today at the expense of uh uruguay i'm, I'm pretty sure who uh, did win their grudge match that we spoke about on our last rap episode against Ghana, but uh, ultimately it wasn't enough. Luis Suarez's international career ended in tears sitting on the bench, um, which kind of baffles me a little bit. But anyway, um, speaking of the Uruguay-Ghana game, not that it's my pick, but what is your pick for match of the round, mate? The Swiss game I mentioned was really good, um, but probably for just in terms of how the group story panned out and even though neither team went through uh germany costa rica i think was the best the best game because as you mentioned costa rica took a 2-1 lead and there mm-hmm. was a point where you know the commentators said um and also shout out to some of the commentary has been very very good um Absolutely. The, the commentators said um at that moment when costa rica took the lead the group the group has been flipped upside down and it was <laughs> and um you know Japan and Costa Rica were both going through at that stage. Then Germany um, managed to equalize, um, and Havertz wasn't happy with that. He went to pick up the ball, and the Costa Rican goalkeeper picked up the ball, so there was a bit of whistling and some argy-bargy that happened there. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, um, Germany, you know, they, they, they went into old-school Germany mode and went, must win. And mm-hmm. they... They they very much did go and win. Havertz scored again. Uh, Full Krug um scored up with an assist from um Havertz, and mm-hmm. um yeah, it was just um it was it was impressive stuff, and it was just the psychology of that game was so so amazing. And you know when Germany took the lead, um then the commentators were timely reminding us they just need a goal from Spain. They just need a goal from Spain. If they get a goal from Spain, then <laughs> maybe they go through. Um didn't pan out that way. Japan held on. Yeah, it was just, it was kind of the biggest spectacle, I feel, in terms of um what a match day three is. And we've got some beautiful symmetry here because I'm going to go back to the well with Japan and say Japan versus Spain was my match of the round. Just the way it happened. Um, Japan just have a way of uh, just never say die. And even if they're behind, they will always just keep plugging away. They've, 
the way that uh, I apologize to any uh, Japanese fans that are listening, but the Japanese coach has used the bench masterfully. Um, there hasn't been a substitution that he's made that hasn't made some sort of impact. And it, it was just a fantastic spectacle. And I think paired with the with the other game that was happening in the group, I think it was peak excitement on match day three. Yeah, that's a great pick. And another thing that I want to highlight, which I think is incredible, and surely this is a record of some kind, Japan won a World Cup game with 17% possession. We're into a Callum. It's knockout round football. This is uh, match day three is probably peak excitement i would imagine but now we move into the realm of extra time and penalty shootouts and every game must have a result which uh is kind of uh it's giving me goosebumps just thinking about world cups past and stuff so what we're going to do here is uh, much like our group stage preview we're going to go rather than group for group we're going to go match for match we're each going to give a prediction on the match and uh, we'll revisit it in the next episode so any gamblers out there hot tip for you tip for the gamblers from the people that are bad at bet against us yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all right let's dive into it mate first up we got netherlands usa um I'll, I'll speak a little bit about this one but why don't you give me your prediction for this one first if cody gakpo can score i think there's definitely a chance for the netherlands so i'm gonna i'm gonna go for that i think usa haven't been as good going forward as they'd have hoped um i think it's gonna be one nil netherlands cody gakpo has been incredible and he's of that age now where he's probably going to get himself a big money move in January or, or the European summer. And he has been phenomenal, but I just have not been convinced with the Netherlands at all this tournament. Um, I think we're going to get the first shock result in the first match. And I think the USMNT are actually going to beat the Netherlands. I'm going to go 2-1. And uh, I might even add the caveat of extra time there. I think this is going to be uh, a... Um, it's going to be a very close run thing and uh yeah i'll just see the usmnt winning and i think it's back to the drawing board for the netherlands um unfortunately for uh you know our man virgil van dyke yeah yeah um you know Stu and i are both liverpool fans so you know we, we like to see netherlands succeed <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yeah no um i i can understand why you think that and um i also think that if that's what pans out if anyone bets on it big payout Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 2-1 extra time victory that would be huge um but yeah no i mean we're not the expert um hit up dan tracy for that one he, he'd definitely Absolutely. be able to tell you what what the good odds on those are but um yeah i think that's a that's a good that's a good way to way to go and i i kind of i'm sorry to put you on the spot but who do you think will score for the united states uh i think pulisic has been good if he's fit i think he plays i think he scores and i think with all the palaver around geo Geo Reyna, yep. um, you know, I, I think the stage is kind of set. It's one all. It's the hundredth minute. Greg Berhalter goes, all right, get on there, Geo, and Geo scores a goal and wins it for the states. So that's what I see happening. That would be just awesome. to get a bit more, uh, you know, specific with my <laughs> prediction. <laughs> <laughs> but enough nonsense from me. Um, next up, we got Argentina, Australia. I've said already, I think Australia is good for a goal, but I think Argentina is probably a bit too strong. You spoke on it a little bit as well. Um, I'm going 3-1 Argentina. You're going 2-1 Argentina, as we spoke about at the top of the show. But maybe you can expand on that just a little bit before we move on to the next fixture. Yeah, yeah. So um, Australia have scored from open play, I think, in each of their um, group stage games, which is mm -hmm. really good, um, especially yeah. considering you know the amount of set pieces that have been in this World Cup. Um, 
it's kind of kind of a shock that you know when you think of open play teams, teams that score in open play, where well, one of them? Yeah. Um, and um, I think um, Australia's physical presence um, definitely has has a part to play in the in the Australia Argentina game. Um, I think you know, even though I just spoke about open play, I think set pieces may be important because you know having Sotar up there and having Mitch Duke will probably start up front two big mm-hmm. physical presences who maybe would be able to maybe, you know, nick a good header. We know Duke's got a good header in him. Um, <laughs> you mentioned some of the players in the shop window. I think Mitch Duke might be unlooked at. David Laverick mentioned that um he's he's maybe the kind of player that teams would look at and go like, you know what, he might be worth picking up, an experienced striker, that sort of thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm digressing a little bit. Um, I think um, set pieces are going to play a big key because um, – I don't mean to be rude or anything about the Argentina team, but they do like to flop. Yes, <laughs> um, they do. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so they're probably going to get a few set pieces as well. So we'll need to be defensively solid there. But I just, I just see, you know, I, I can just imagine that there's just going to be a moment of brilliance from Messi or a moment of brilliance from, you know, any of those ace Argentina players, um, you oh. know, uh, Seb Seb Stafford Bloor um, mentioned um Latara Martinez um could mm-hmm. potentially be a be a dangerous dangerous threat and um mm-hmm. I feel like that's just what's going to pan out pan out here and um yeah I think Australia are just going to fall short um but but put up a good effort there you go so hopefully our prediction curse rings true yet again <laughs> let's move on to the next one it's Japan versus Croatia um what do you got for this one Callum um this is a tough one um I could see it going mm-hmm. to penalties. Okay, wow. First penalty prediction. As far as defensive teams go, these two are quite good defensively, quite disciplined. Um, don't take too many risks defensively, which I think you know some, some teams have been doing. Um, and it hasn't really panned out all that well for them. Um, so I, I could see it um, going nil-nil. Like, I don't think it'll be boring. I think there will be a lot of you know action, that sort of thing. But it'll be more half chances and there'll be saves and stuff like that. Um, and um, I, I'm thinking nil-nil penalties. Japan win on penalties. I'm going. Uh, I'm going Japan to win as well. I, th- I am actually going for just a carbon copy of the Germany and uh, and Spain games. I think Croatia and Spain. There's a lot of similarities in the way that they play. Croatia are a bit more. Spain's more youthful is probably the most respectful way to play it. Croatia's build-up play is a little bit slower. Um, I think that they'll probably score first, but I think Japan will come home with a wet sail and uh, grab another two from a super sub maybe and uh, and go through to a quarterfinal, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Brazil-South Korea is the next one, mate. Um, do you see it being a Japan-South Korea quarterfinal or uh, is this where one of the Asian teams bows out? As amazing as that would be, um, seeing Japan and South Korea in the quarterfinal of a FIFA World Cup. Um, unless Son pulls out a miracle, I don't see it happening. Um, I think it's going to be 2 0 win for Brazil. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think their loss against Cameroon was a fluke. I think they were the better yep. team. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to feel real. <laughs> real hurt by the fact that they've lost a game at the world cup and um, they're going to come out and they're just going to be clinical. They're going to, you know, they're going to be ruthless. Um, Korea are going to put up a fight. Korea are tough. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if they could manage to sneak a goal, then maybe anything could happen. But I, I don't see them scoring. I feel it's going to be a two nil win Brazil, probably Richarlison on the score sheet or something like that. 
Yeah, I think you said everything that needs to be said about that game. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think uh, Brazil will win 2-0, and I feel like it'll be a comfortable 2-0. I don't think Korea are going to embarrass themselves, but uh, I think Brazil will comfortably book a quarterfinal spot against Japan. And uh, honestly, that'll be a tasty fixture. But next up, we got France, Poland. Now, I didn't think Lewandowski had it in him to uh, get Poland to the World Cup second round. I, I actually picked Mexico to uh, finish second in this group. So this is a little bit of a surprise to me. But I think that um, I think the France win this comfortably. Um, Mbappe finds the back of the net. Um insert any name of any striker uh, <laughs> that plays for France to score. I think this has the potential to probably be the most comfortable uh, win. And uh, I'm going France, maybe, maybe four, four, one. I'm going to say Poland get a consolation goal at the death, but France are comfortably winning by the time they score that goal. Another four, one, that would be interesting. Um, it'd be great for, for <laughs> France for sure. Um, I think in terms of potential scorers, um, also, I think I think we should note we don't advise betting on on the calls we make. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do Listen. gamble, gamble. If yes, you do gamble, absolutely. gamble responsibly. Um, but I think um, this might be the game Griezmann um, gets on the score sheet. I think he's okay. been the unsung hero for France. He's been really, really good creatively. He's been great in that attacking midfield role. Um, and you know, I think if anyone in the France team deserves to to get a goal, I think it's Antoine Griezmann. And, okay. um, you know, I, I, I do agree with you in terms of how that game will play out. I think France will just be, you know, relentless in attack as they often are. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, make the nine changes back from the nine changes they made for the Tunisia game. And <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be relentless. Um, yeah, Mbappe might score. Um, I feel like I feel like it would be it would be fitting if Lewandowski scores in the knockout stage of the world cup even if it's in a, in a losing effort i think that would be that'd be really quite quite a nice narrative but i i think i think it would be 3-1 france just the Lewandowski's point um really for the man that's done everything it's the last thing he's got left to do on his footballing bucket list i think so that would be nice but uh let's roll into the next game mate and it's england senegal which really on the face of it looks like a you know okay england's gonna win that but there's probably a little bit more to it, would you say, Callum? I would say so, because um, I think Senegal have been really good. Um, I like the way Senegal set up in terms of um, their their defense, and they're also quite strong and physical. But they have they have some of their defenders have some technical acumen that you maybe wouldn't have expected. Mm-hmm. Um, they're able to distribute out from the back and that sort of thing, which um, I feel England, they have so many attacking aggressive midfielders that they might be caught off guard a bit from that kind of that style, that system. Um, so it could be difficult. Um, but England do look quite good. I think they've been one of the stronger teams in the group stages so far. Um, mm-hmm. They have one of the stronger teams they've had in a while. And um, they've been making deep runs in, in international tournaments for quite a bit. So um i think i think it'll be 2-1 england but i think it'll be close i think it'll be 1-1 for a while and i think maybe near the end or something like that foden or kane or someone like that will score and give them the lead and they'll hold on well callum and i have discussed this game um previously to recording this podcast and uh i said to him that uh this is this is tough this is probably the toughest one for me to pick there's the, obviously there's some 
there's some close fixtures that are that are line balls, I guess you could say. But uh, I'm having a real real trouble with this one. I'm not going to cop out and not give a prediction. I'm going to give a prediction, but I'm going to give it with a caveat. If it is close and we go into the last 15 minutes, if it's nil nil. 1-1, something like that. Senegal win this game and England go home in the round of 16. Um, I think they've just... Uh, I can't really explain it, actually. I've just got a feeling that that's what's going to happen. But uh, my official prediction is... My mum's going to hate me for saying this, but uh, I'm actually going to predict Senegal to, uh, to do the business. They've really impressed me. And I think the way I fear it's going to play out, um, with England being my second side is likely the way it is going to play out. And I think Senegal win 2-1. Let's move on from that before <laughs> my mum disowns me, mate. And uh, we'll, we'll get into Morocco versus Spain. And, uh, you know, we, we've bigged up the uh, the Asian teams. Um, let's big up one of the uh, one of the African teams here, Morocco, who just, uh, they, they were nowhere on my radar. Were they on your radar prior to the competition, Callum? No, maybe they would have been if I knew their personnel a bit better, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've been incredible. We've talked about players um, putting themselves in the shop window. Amrabat and that holding midfield role has been tremendous. Um, I think Spain will win this after bigging them up. Um, because Spain have just looked pretty good outside of that uh, match against against Japan, where even then against Japan, they were good. They just didn't have that cutting edge. Um, I think Spain win this one 2-0. Yeah, I could, I could see it playing out that way. Um, but with the way Morocco have played, I feel like I feel like they're good for a goal, uh, maybe, a, maybe a Ziyech um, free kick or something like that. Um, yep. which would be really cool. Um, yep. So I, I'm i going to I'm gonna call it 2-1. I think the goal will come more as consolation when Spain are up 2-0. Interesting. And we're going to wrap it up with probably the least tasty fixture of them all. It's Portugal versus Switzerland. Now, both of these teams, incredibly talented, but uh, I just think their styles are going to clash a little bit here, and this could be a bit of a, uh, a stuffy affair. But uh, this is your one, mate. Um you take the lead here and uh, let us know how you think this one's going to play out, my friend. So, yeah, it's funny that you highlight um, the clash of stars between Portugal and Switzerland, um, because I feel with this game is it could either be an incredible football spectacle with action all over the place. And, you know, you can never know what finishes. Maybe it'll be 3-3 three, three in penalties or something like that. You know, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but as high, high of a ceiling it has, it also has quite a low floor. <laughs> <laughs> Because it could it could be just really scrappy, you know, just kind of lots of clearances and you know heading it from one end to the other and that sort of thing. And you know, it's <laughs> it's just it, it would it would. I don't want to say it would feel non-league, but it might it might end up panning out that way just because of <laughs> because of the way they they kind of just clash into each other. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I'm hoping for the former. Um, I'm hoping it's going mm-hmm. to be really great, but um, <laughs> I'm predicting. And it's going to be one nil Portugal. So okay, so you hope that it's a classic, but you're predicting a one nil. So you you think it might be the uh, the stuffy affair that perhaps not, we both fear it has the potential to be. So just to run through things here, Callum's gone the Netherlands. I've gone the United States. We've both gone Argentina. Uh, we've both gone Japan. We've both gone Brazil. We've both gone France. Callum's gone England. I've gone Senegal. Sorry, mum. Uh, we've both gone Spain and, uh, oh, I didn't give my prediction, but I think Portugal will win too. And I think they will win one nil as well. 
Um, so we've both gone Portugal as well. So there's the World Cup second round wrap. We'll be back for the quarterfinals to uh, eat a whole bunch of humble pie, I'm sure. Thank you so much for listening to the Australian World Cup podcast. Stewie, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Stewie is sick of it on Twitter. You can also find me at Stewie the Sports Guy on Instagram and TikTok. And please give us a listen on Goals on Film. I'm a regular co-host there. It's a fantastic pod where we break down sports movies. Um, we're doing a bunch of soccer ones at the moment. We've recently done the Damned United. We just did one of my all-time favorites, Mike Bassett, England manager. Um, so definitely give that one a listen. Where can we find you, Callum? Yeah, so you can find me um, on Twitter at Callum underscore Logie. And um, I'd also like to give Goals on Film a shout out. Um, been really good lately, um, I think, in terms of the uh, the the product of the uh, of the podcast. And um, it's just really interesting to listen to. You know, host host Jason Irvine's really good with all the technical aspects of film and that sort of thing. Um, Stewie, you know Stewie. He's an incredible character. He's a, he's a great, great guy to listen to when it comes to, you know, his opinions on films and anything like that. Um, so yeah, definitely give give the goals on film film a look if you're into that into sports movies and that sort of thing. Um, but then another thing that you can check out is the Australian World Cup podcast on social media. We're mainly on Twitter. You can find us at Australian WC Pod, but we're also across some other socials. You know, we're on Instagram. Where I think we're on Facebook. <laughs> I have to verify that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so get around that. Um, we love to interact with you. Um, we love to see um your reactions to um what we're seeing as well. And um, we're also part of the broader Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on all of the social media. And that 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 I actually know. They're on Facebook. <laughs> um, they're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. Edge of the Crowd are everywhere. And um, it's the leading sports culture website. You can go to edgeofthecrowd.com and get your fix of sports and culture and everything. We both write there. A lot of very talented people write there. Until next time, <laughs> he's Callum Logie. I'm Stuart Kavanagh. And this has been the Australian World Cup podcast. Messi, McAllister, Messi!